cultivate the parasite in you so that you almost become a the goys are back in town 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 oh hello Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you listen to Synchronon. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm your host, Ethan. Hello, comrades. I am Kate Rumbo. Hey, Rambo, you're on a uh, work-related injury holiday right now. How, how's, how's, that, how's that going for you? How's uh, that work- yeah. Well, nobody wants to get injured at work, but I have been, and now I'm, I'm off recuperating. Is it, is it a real injury or a fake injury? Like, are you no. getting the system? No, it's a real fucking injury. My work has injured me through to their negligence and lack of duty to care. And every day, I don't know if it's because now I'm obviously half Jewish. I have a Jewish family. I'm also like, you know, I am kind of half American now. I don't know if that's influencing me. But just in the back of my mind, there's just a little voice going, sue them, sue them. Yeah, but could you, though? Because I I thought you said you exacerbated through uh, chronic wanking. Like, I thought you might be partly a blame luckily it is not my wanking arm it's my like my other arm it's not my wanking arm i thought okay we discussed this in detail in the second show and long story short i don't want to really go into too many details you can go listen to it over there kate tried to mod out her hitachi magic wand and it didn't entirely work out as planned and uh, now she's got a two-week holiday so that same voice that is telling me to sue my workplace because they've uh, obviously hurt me for their negligence is now telling me to sue you for slander. <laughs> We're not going to get much money. I don't know if you've seen our Patreon recently. so um. I'll find your shekels, dude. <laughs> You'll be mine. Well, I'm jealous that you get a two-week holiday. I do not think that would happen in this country unless you were, like, severely injured as a result of, like, gross workplace negligence. But... Um, I should do that because I had to go back to the fucking office this week. Sucks. I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was like an eventuality. We're going to, everyone's going to have to return to the office, but they keep saying it's like, it's going to be a hybrid work type situation. You know, it's, you know, some, some people are going to go in like two days a week. Some people three days a week. Some people might even be full-time remote. So I had to go in two days a week. You know, I went in, uh, what, Tuesday, Wednesday last week. And uh, yeah, it sucks. It sucks. Waking up early, commuting during rush hour traffic, having to put on pants. Haven't done that in a long time, you know? Hey. And the, the worst thing, the worst part about the whole thing is you're seeing all your coworkers again. You're seeing your managers again. And they all want to like organize team building activities because we haven't been able to do any of that for the past two years. Absolutely sod that. Sod it. It's the worst. But now it's like, you know, we... You know, in this remote work environment, they kind of feel that everybody's alienated and they're, they're socially distant from each other. And then we've had a lot of new people start the past couple of years and we haven't even met in person. So all the managers are like looking for suggestions. Like we had a meeting with our team on Wednesday and uh, she was like, so what do you think we should do? Like just a team building thing, just to really get to know each other. And so some people are like, how about bowling? 
And, uh, you know, some people like bowling. Other people were, were saying happy hour, but I guess we're not supposed to drink. I love with- bowling, but I don't want to go bowling with my work colleagues. I want to go bowling with my friends. I don't want to do anything with my work colleagues. No. I, I, no. I don't mind working with them because I have to. But it's like I don't want to go hang out extra, you know, an extracurricular activity with them no. on my own time. Someone suggested roller skating. What about, I can't roller skate. Fucko. I'm not learning now. There's this new project manager whom I'm not particularly fond of, this guy named Jamie. Jamie said, how about we all go to the Renaissance Fair? The Ren Fair. It's happening right now. Jamie should fuck off and die. Oh, God. It's like I looked at the guy like I was like staring, you know, like as if, if, as if my eyes could shoot Zyklon B like through Zoom. They would have. I was just looking at this guy like, the fuck are you talking about? The fucking Ren Fair. Like, as if we're going to, like, what, put on outfits? Like, I'm going to put on a little fucking minstrel outfit or whatever. Or put a, I don't know. The fucking uh, Joker outfit and go over there and, like, go to the fucking Ren Fair? Yeah, Renaissance Day. Minstrels, <laughs> Fair, the whatever. Joker, were they around during the Renaissance? Jester, court jester. That's what There I mean. you go. You'll put on some tights and then you'll go and, like, probably be racist and throw some rotten tomatoes at people. Yeah, I'm not going. Now? I'm never going to that. I have, I've had to endure it once. It was hell. It's also fucking hot as fuck because it's like outside in like the desert of LA, like in the suburbs. You know what and I so- would do? If I ever went to the Ren Fair, I would like bury my clothes with like a load of rotten fish in the ground for about six, seven months. Maybe then ask like tramps to piss on my clothes. And then I would go to the Ren Fair and I'd be the only historically accurate one there. You'd probably be the only top person. Babes. Top yeah, babes and corsets, isn't it? You'd, you'd probably be the only person who actually smells decent. I've been hey. to it. It sucks. <laughs> like all these smells of rotting meat on sticks, like turkey legs on sticks and B.O. because it's so fucking hot. And so, yeah, I guess it's going on from now till the end of May. And this guy's, we could do a half day on Friday and head out there. And it's like, I was just looking at this guy like, would you shut the fuck up? I was so, I was enraged. And believe it or not, people actually thought it was a good idea. Like my manager said, like, great idea, Jamie. I'm, there's no way I'm going to do that. And she came around. She was asking people, what do, you, what do you think, David? And I looked at her. I was just like, hard pass. Hard pass. I'm not going to the Renaissance Fair. There's, there's, seriously, there's no conceivable way of that happening unless it's like a weekend at Bernie's type situation. And obviously I'll be Bernie. And then I don't. I would yeah. never do this. I would be sick that day. Sick with like I'd have the Rhea. I can't go. Do um they even have Renaissance fairs in England? Because your country's kind of like one big massive Ren Fair. No, exactly. We lived through it. We don't need to fucking have pleasant memories of it of what it was like because it wasn't fucking pleasant. It was an awful time to be alive. Yeah, what was the lifespan like? Twenty eight. Probably like twenty two. Everyone was poor. Everyone died young. Nobody could brush their teeth. Fuck it. I'll tell you one thing, Kate Rambo. I'm morally opposed to Ren Fairs and to this whole resurgence here of Dungeons and Dragons culture. I'm morally opposed. Well, After, I mean, uh, I don't know anything about We've talked about Dungeons and Dragons before. Well, you kind of missed that. You're too young. I, I was actually, I remember I was, a ki- I was a kid. My brother was super into it. My brother's like a dungeon master. Mm-hmm. He was like into it. And he'd always try to get me to play and... I don't know, I was probably, what, 10 or 11 at the time. And uh, 
I just hated it. I thought it was boring. I also couldn't get into it. Like, I remember I made a, a character. He found one of my characters I made. His name was like, I don't know, it was like Herschel Moss. No, it was Herschel Moskovitz, and he was like an accountant. <laughs> it was just like the lamest character. And I think I did it on purpose because I was like, this is just, this game is shit. And I just don't want to play it. But you know what? Whatever. I, I, people can go play, you know, these games. I don't really care, but I want people to know one thing. That they're racist. This guy, Jamie, this guy, this project manager suggested Renfair, also runs his own Dungeons and Dragons group. So he's racist. Well, he was talking about it. And uh, he was saying, like, you know, we have the best time. Like, you guys can come and join up and you can be part of the Dungeons and Dragons group. And I was even hating him even more after he said that. But I was thinking about it. This guy's a racist. And all the people that play Dungeons and Dragons are racist. Hear me out on this. I would say nowadays, like in recent culture, yeah, this is on uh, RPGs or tabletop gaming, as it's called, are almost like as popular, even maybe even more popular now than it was in the 80s. But in the 80s, you know, it was kind of like this. This is from an Apatow movie. Um, but it kind of no, this, this is, is from but, Freaks and Geeks, which was his telly show, which was is a really, okay, really okay. good telly show, uh, I must say. And this is this is like on the last episode, but this is kind of what. You know, you like, you know, traditionally you envision a, a, a Dungeons and Dragons group to look like. And it was like that in the 80s. And I think a lot of people, it wasn't, I mean, just, it wasn't just only played by nerdy kids. A lot of people went through this RPG, like Dungeons and Dragons phase, but the real nerds were into it and they played every weekend with their friends. But now it's become this like nerd couture thing. It's fashionable. It's fashionable to be geeky. Look at Comic-Con. Look at uh, cosplay. You look at uh, Marvel movies. It's cool to be nerdy. You know, uh, Ryan Keeley, friend of mine, she's kind of nerdy, actually. And uh, she has this Dungeons & Dragons group of hot porn chicks. And they all wear sexy outfits, and they sit around, they play D&D. And this girl here, um, Satine Phoenix, who uh, I actually know her from back in the strip club days, like way back when. Uh, but she's kind of like made a whole career out of being like a Dungeons and Dragons master, you know, and she has her own like uh, group that plays. And I think they like travel around the world. Like they, they did a Dungeons and Dragons thing in a castle in England recently. Oh, making all the money. Why not? Yeah. Like, but, and it's like, you know, she's made a whole brand out of it, but you look at the table of it. It's a far cry from the nerds in the previous picture. You know, now yeah. it's a thing. Now it's fashionable. Now there's like sexy women playing Dungeons and Dragons dressing up as like, I don't know what elves, I guess, and fairies, and I don't know. They're what is, dressing as their characters, aren't they? they on the right. I don't know what's going on back there. Um, but yeah, the, but but I'm morally opposed to Dungeons and Dragons. I'm morally opposed to this revival that's been going on for the past few years. And the reason being, Dungeons and Dragons is racist, people. It's been racist since the origin of the game, and I know they're trying to make some changes. Doesn't matter, still racist. And a lot of people don't want to accept it. A lot of people don't want to like admit to themselves that what they're doing with their friends is uh, perpetuating racist stereotypes, but they are. And the reason I know this is because Varg Vikernes. Varg Vikernes, I don't know what he's like the, I don't know, fam one of the more famous white supremacists in the world. Norwegian black metal musician from a, a black metal band called Burzum. Um, he's, he's probably notorious for uh, burning down historic churches and uh, murdering Euronymous from the band Mayhem in the early 90s. Um, I think nowadays he's a survivalist and a white supremacist, a neo-pagan. 
And uh, he released his own role-playing game, his own tabletop game called My Farag, Mythic Fantasy Role-Playing Game. I like him. I like Bog. <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> I've always liked him. People, before we get into this, uh, the, the Barg's racist RPG and the racism behind Dungeons & Dragons, I just want to really quickly thank all the new patrons who signed up this month. I'm actually yeah, yeah. kind of blown away. But me and Kate were talking about it, like, holy shit. It's probably one of the better months we've had in a while. And we appreciate it. We appreciate people uh, supporting us on the show, signing up. You know, we got a lot of, a lot of extra content uh, on there these days. Um, so anyway, we appreciate it. So here's a quick promo about our Patreon page, and then we'll get back into uh, Dungeons and Discrimination. Do you need more sick and wrong in your life? Do you need one more news story to make you feel normal? Are three phone calls barely enough to feed the raging beast of desire? Well, then it's time for you to get the help you need and become a Sick and Wrong patron. Sign up at patreon.com slash sickandwrong and you'll have access to exclusive Patreon-only content such as news stories, extra phone calls, and much, much more. Become a patron today and help us make a better Sick and Wrong for tomorrow. That's patreon.com slash sickandwrong. So Varg is selling an RPG called My Farag. Um, it actually came out uh, like, I don't know, five or six years ago, but he's released like subsequently like probably 12 different editions, maybe maybe six editions and like six other companion books to it. Um, but it was invented and written entirely by Varg Vikernes. And it builds itself as a role-playing game based on European values, geography, prehistory, mythology, traditions and morals that will offer you the opportunity to play a game in accordance with your own european nature okay a picture here of varg just so people can see what he looks like so here's varg with his uh his well actually this is there he is that's varg back in the burzum days back in the day back when his scar was still fresh yeah look how fearsome he looks so intimidating it's about as intimidating as the kids playing dungeons and dragons that, you that- Apatow game. Fog alone. I like <laughs> fog. You know, he looked like uh, I had a roommate in college um, who looked just like him, but he was like, but roommate in college was just really into fish. The and, band. Uh, yeah, he was into fish and Grateful oh. Dead. He was a total hippie. How looked awful. just like Varg, though. If he wore like this leathers and got a, what is that, a mace? He looked just like him. No, a mace is uh, the ball, isn't it? The ball What's with that? the spikes. That's just like a stick with some spikes coming out of it. All right. Baseball bat. Um, the game, my Farag, is very similar to Dungeons and Dragons, um, and except it explicitly espouses uh, white supremacist beliefs held by its creator. Um, apparently, now I'm kind of like extrapolating here, but from what I've read about the game, this is pretty much uh, every mission. Players have to defend themselves against the evil and greedy Jews who are looking to take over white pagan civilization and steal their shekels, which... Um, it's true. Jews tend to do. Uh, Varg said he designed the game as a teaching tool for his son, which I got to say is a bit concerning, just a tad concerning. Um, but I imagine it's a teaching aid in all the whites-only elementary schools across Scandinavia. I so, agree uh, with that. 
Okay, Rambo, for all those who aren't acquainted with uh, Varg Vikernes, who probably didn't listen to Burzum, uh, give, give us uh, some history, a brief uh, uh, roundup here on, uh, on Varg. I, I knocked this together. So Varg, who also goes by the name of uh, Count Grishnak, Louis Cachet, Graven, the Count, the Glen, he's got many more names, also didn't begin life as a Varg. He was born February the 11th, 1973. So he's an Aquarius, which I think is about 80% of the reason why I like him. He was born in uh, Bergen, Norway, and he was actually Christian uh, Vicanus. Uh, and it soon became apparently uh, why we would drop his Christ-like name. <laughs> so as Varg's childhood, there actually doesn't exist a proper biography of him. There's no authorized one or unauthorized one. He's let out snippets in his official website, Burzum.org. I read all of them and in interviews like those for like the Lords of Chaos book, which I'm kind of assuming everyone here has read or you've seen the movie. Uh, I am going to say his name wrong. Michael uh, Moynihan. Yeah, Moynihan. That's, he's he's yay, the, one, the book. Good for me. One of the authors of Lords of Chaos, he's been described as quite active in the propaganda support network network for Vikernes and Burzum.org on the other hand it's not been noted at all by secondary sources so it's Varg's words or it's not you just got to kind of print the myth here or Varg is letting you print the myth in the interviews printed in Lords of Chaos he talks a lot about his background and his childhood there's even an interview with his mother uh, Lena Bohr is included in the 2004 interview uh, Varg mentions she is working in a large oil company he also gives his father's profession as an electronics engineer, whereas his brother is one and a half years older, is a graduate civil engineer. So there's money in this family. I wonder He's, how close they are. I, it's, again, it's very hard to find out stuff about Varg. He's got this mystery about him, which I enjoy. In another interview for Lords of Chaos, uh, he recalls an incident from his childhood when he was six years old. The family moved for a year to Baghdad in Iraq because his father was working for Saddam Hussein, developing a computer program. Whoa. Since there was no places available in the English school in Baghdad, Varg went to an, an Iraqi elementary school during this time. And according to his interview, this is when he first became aware of racial matters. <laughs> Corporal punishment was not uncommon in the school. And on one occasion, he had a quarrel with a teacher and called him a monkey. But as Varg perceived it, the teachers didn't dare to hit him because he was white. God, he was he was that racist. At what age? Was he like seven? <laughs> Six. Six or seven? God. Uh, Varg's mother also recalls how they spent a year in Iraq and that the other children in his class would get slapped by their teachers, but he would not. She mentions that this created problems, but generally she has no good explanation of how Varg developed his controversial and very resilient views. They moved back to Norway, and when he was a teenager, he said that him and his RPG friends would sometimes take wooden clubs, spears, and swords, and they went out into the countryside to fight each other. We had no other purpose than to fight because it was fun, and we didn't try to hurt each other. We never tried to hit the head of our opponents or other vulnerable areas like where the man's brain is located. And we didn't use much force. We still sometimes hurt each other by accident and the fighting never stopped until at least one of us was bleeding, most often from the fingers or knuckles. And each one of us had enough pain for the day. So they're laughing. <laughs> I just a lapper. <laughs> they're pretty much just LARPing and, and injuring each other in the woods. It's like jackass LARPing. 
But well, they were in the metal though, though at this point. Yeah, he was. He got into yeah. music. I'm going to get into his music side. If you do have the time and the inclination to delve into the chaos that is the uh, Burzum bio like I did, there are some treasures to be gleaned um, amongst it, such as this quote by the man himself, and this is about his teenage inspirations. I grew up reading the traditional Scandinavian fairy tales where the pagan gods are presented as evil creatures, as trolls and goblins. And we all know how the Inquisition turned Freya into Satan. Tolkien was no better. He had turned uh, Odin into Sauron and my pagan forefathers into the fighting Urukai. To me, the dark forces attacking Gondor were like the Vikings attacking Charlemagne's Christian France. The dark forces attacking Rohan were like the Vikings attacking the Christian in England. And I may add, the Vikings eventually lost their war as well, just like Sauron and the Orcs did. And I didn't mind supporting the losing part. I've always believed in doing what is right, regardless of the consequences. <laughs> and if I was fighting for a lost cause, it didn't matter. I would rather die fighting for what I believe in than live for anything else. Um, I'm not so sure the orcs were based on white Vikings. Uh, um. <laughs> we'll get into that, I feel. <laughs> so his whole childhood has been around, is based around RPGs and D&D and other such fantasy role-playing games. When he was 14, he began playing the guitar. He was good at it. as a natural musician. He was in a few bands, but by 17, he was playing with a band called Old Funeral, who went from techno trash to boring death metal. That's Varg's words. That time, he left to pursue his own music. The idea with Burzum was not to make original and personal music, but to create something new, a darkness in the far too light, safe, and boring world. Unlike 99% of all musicians, he didn't play music to become famous, earn money, and get laid. He had no interest in either fame nor money, and he had a very naive and romantic view on women at the time, almost medieval view on women. <laughs> He had nothing but contempt for the brain-dead sex, drugs, rock and roll attitude of the other metal people surrounding him. Instead, his motivation was a wish to experiment with magic and try to create an alternative reality by the use of magic. So this is where Burzum comes in. I gotta him. say, black metal was pretty nerdy. I mean, in terms of musical so genres, nerdy. it was it was rather nerdy. I mean, I love Venom, but they're nerds. But like, think about it. Like, you had Slayer, and then you had this at least like at least venom those guys were partying they were doing drugs they were well, they're know, getting laid yeah no they were they were yeah. like they were rock stars what these guys were doing were larping out in the woods with their like weapons and putting on their armor and then their their face paint nerds nerds there is some evidence that um varg was involved with the skinhead scene in bergen because he became a part of the black metal scene uh, Goodrick Clark introduces Burzum as the music vehicle of the ex-skinhead Vikernes. I wouldn't say ex. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> well, maybe he had a shaved head at the time. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I guess he grew his hair long, so. Because he wanted to remain anonymous, he chose a stage name, D. Simon, and it was Count Grishnak, and he used weird photos of himself as the Burzum promo, so he looked even weirder and more magical. And it was during this time that his real name was mentioned in the press, and he didn't want Burzum to be connected to Christ in any way, so he did what any black metal kid would do, and he legally changed his name to Varg. During 92 to 93, he recorded four albums as Burzum that played a key role in the development of black metal. And he's playing fucking every instrument on them. Well, it's mostly, I mean, I guess uh, it is interesting, the evolution of these records. 
because some of the records eventually just became keep like they're just like it almost sounded like uh, like ghosts and goblins music for a yeah. Nintendo game. But the early, the first, I would say two Burzum records are phenomenal. They're so heavy. They're heavy and just he so aggressive. Heavy. It's yeah, and so lo-fi. Like compared to you know, you would listen to like something like. Uh, Bathory or Slayer or something. Yeah. You know, it's like Burzum was just like toned it down to to, to its basic elements. Um, yeah, great. Those two records are great. It was during this time that he met Euronymous. We we're not going to go much into that. And a few years later, in August of 93, he would actually murder a Euronymous in a very much a he said, she said bullshit kind of story. You can read Varg's full account on Burzum.org. But I'll give a couple of sentences to Varg, who justified the killing of his former friend and bandmate as this. He had showed his intention to kill me. And even though he was no longer a direct threat to me there and then, I did not feel any bad for killing him. His cowardice had made me angry and I saw no reason to let him live. Not when he showed his intent to kill me. Had I let him live, I would only have let him have another attempt at my life later on. Yeah, that just shows you his skewed logic. Ubermensch. The guy thinks he's like superior to other people. No, he went Euronymous. and he murdered the guy in cold blood on a fucking staircase. Yeah, if and he, he's he lucky he did it in Norway. If he hadn't killed Euronymous, somebody else would have killed Euronymous because Euronymous was a fucking little bit of a wanker and he screwed over a lot of people. He'd I mean, been conjecture. in and out of jail that, that year alone. Euronymous was going to die. I love how he, I love the other thing too, like in Varg's full account, like it wasn't about money. It was about money. <laughs> He was sentenced to 21 years in prison, the maximum penalty under Norwegian law. And during this sentence, he founded the Algemanenski Heinrichki yeah. Front. I try my best. AHF. It's an international neo-Nazi organization, which was based on the writing of Varg's first book, Vagschmal, which was released in 1994, shortly after he'd been arrested for, you know, the church burnings and the murder of his former mate. Varg denies that he started this group, but I can totally see it happening. And he was just like the mythical figure at the top. Oh, he's got a in, messianic complex, this guy. Yeah. In 2009, he was paroled. He moved to France with his wife, uh, Marie um, Cachet, and they started pumping out the mini Vargs. I think they actually have about 10 children now. Oh, wow, really? God, that's crazy. He continued to write and release music, and he also had an iconic YouTube channel, which I was subscribed to, uh, The Ferulian Perspective, with his catchy, let's find out, intro was deleted off YouTube, and now it's re-uploads of his thinkings and teachings. So you can find all that there still. He's also on Twitter. He's written tons of books of his teachings and uh, maybe his, like, white uh, agenda. I'm not saying you're a white nationalist, Varg, I promise. <laughs> He's also done his RPG game, and you can follow him and his wife on Twitter, where Christianity is their main enemy. They spend their days building up their farm, tending to their livestock and children, and they're basically waiting for the upcoming fall of society where they will survive and we're all going to die. Yeah, no, he's preparing for the race war. He's like a total survivalist oh, yeah. now. And I'm sure his kids, they probably homeschool them, their racist beliefs. Yep. Yeah, I'm not surprised. But then, like, he's like a full-on like survivalist. I bet you his entire like uh, uh, home and farm is just like booby-trapped. You know, they probably don't let Jews or Jehovah's Witnesses come anywhere near it. He would never come on the show because of you. And that's I doubt it. <laughs> I would like to talk Big about loss it. there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you're saying, I mean, Varg was into RBGs. He was into fantasy. I'd almost say he was into it a bit too much. 
uh, he became obsessed with his like pagan beliefs, and that's why he started burning down these like historic churches, like historic landmarks, because he felt that uh, that's what the Christians did to the pagans, which is kind of true in a sense. Um, but Burzum, he don't said, forget, there is a deeper level to that as well, because Christianity is only relatively new to Scandinavia. It was never the natural like religion. No, no, was, they yeah. they believe in the pagan gods. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then they came over and they stole a lot of their uh, beliefs and just sort of repackaged them as Easter. So I can understand the church burnings. Groups. Yeah, but at the same time, in their historic landmarks, I don't know if you should go burn down a fucking church just because you disagree with what with history. There's a lot of things Making that happened a- in history. A lot of things that the Vikings did in history and the pagans did that were terrible. He's making a statement and like who hasn't at the age of 19 wanted to burn a church down? When you yeah, I understand that. But to I, mean, Slayer. I get it. I mean, who, who hadn't thought about it? Who hadn't fantasized about it? Not too many people have actually done it. Good for him. You know, or murdered their, their former friend. Now, the guy's warped. Um, anyway. I, like <laughs> nah, I think he's an asshole. I think he's an arrogant prick, neo-Nazi cunt. However... Those first two records, those first two person records, I still listen to. They're great. Um, so that's one thing. But yeah, it is funny though. He's very lighthearted in his videos, as you know, the clip that we played he's in the beginning a- of the show. He's a very affable man. I think that's part of his like kind of why I like him. He is affable. He's got a charm. I think a lot of Nazis him. were though. A lot of Nazis were very charming. A lot of Nazis had charisma. They you did. Know? But meanwhile, they're just like talking about exterminating races. Um, but that being said, Varg um, uh, said that Burzum was very influenced by uh, role-playing games um, as by music. And these games not only influenced the mood, lyrics, and theme of uh, Burzum, but it also helped him develop his own RPG uh, later on in life. So some of the games that uh, he played that uh, he felt were influences were like RuneQuest, Dungeons & Dragons, Warhammer, uh, Twilight 2000, Middle-Earth role-playing Role oh, master. Wow. I don't even know any of these games, but yeah, I don't even. I'm sure some of the people in our audience might. Um, but he took inspiration from like the old school hardcore tabletop games mixed with his own uh, neo pagan Norse fantastic uh, white supremacist views. You know, so but the thing is with Varg, despite how you feel about Varg and his neo pagan white pride, his racism and his racist RPG is not original. It's not like he came up with these, uh, you know, these racist caricatures. It's not like he was the first person to ever have racism in his tabletop game or his, his work of, uh, you know, fantasy fiction. Um, fantasy fiction RPGs have been racist since their very origin. Oh wow! I mean, you think about it. Is it a coincidence? Coincidence that Dungeons and Dragons, you know, have their dark-skinned elves that come from a matriarchal society. Isn't that weird? And the dark-skinned elves, I think they're called the drow, are supposed to be evil because they're reared in a, in a matriarchy. And you look at their dark skin compared to the white elves who are virtuous and magical creatures who are lawful. You look at the savage orcs that look uh, uncannily like the barbaric people from the uncivilized world in Africa, in the Middle East. I mean, you look at look at so there there's there's an orc, this huge this huge creature, and there is a dark elf just looking evil. But it's funny that Dungeons and Dragons. I didn't know it had its own like character. Oh, it's own races of people, 
And I think I'm, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know about now because I haven't played in a long time. But some of these characters were non-playable characters. I think you could. I don't know if you could be an orc. I'm not sure actually. I think you can be a dark elf. You probably can now. Um, but these concepts of like evil races, description of orcs and half orcs that mirror racist stereotypes, and the concept of like a racial disadvantage based on the color of these uh, character skins. They don't seem to make as much sense in like a modern context anymore. And so you no. see like, you know, the creators of Dungeons and Dragons kind of backpedaling and trying to like issue versions now that don't have evil races. Like there's no chaotic races. People are chaotic, you know, because race is a societal construct. You know, it's not like, um, you know, these, these, these characters were born evil just because of the color of their skin. So they're trying to re, you know, kind of revise you know, uh, the, the additions of the game. But the racist history of fantasy fiction, including RPGs, has its roots in our fascination with medieval European history. I was reading an article about this in uh, Wired. So this woman here, Kavita Mudan Finn, is a first-generation Indian American, and she's a scholar of medieval and early modern European history. And she's saying it reaches back to a misplaced imaginary nostalgia for a golden age where everyone was in their place. And most importantly... They're happy to be there. And so it's kind of steeped in a, like a colonialist, highly racist culture and ideology, like a classist type culture. And I think Varg yearns for this time well, when there yeah, were higher white beings that were above these other dark inferior races. Well, it's also paganism, isn't it, as well? I mean, in a sense, I mean, the paganists kind of had their own belief system and their own, they worship like the, the, you know, the, the natural gods and nature and things like that. They didn't actually have like a church and, you know, these like rigid structures and uh, ceremonial beliefs that, that we had. It was kind of more natural. Yes. Yeah, no, but they still Tribal. had ceremonial beliefs where they would well, yeah. gather in the stone circle and someone was going to be murdered for a God. Like they still did stuff. They like still that. believed women were still yeah. second class citizens. But what's popular fantasy today is kind of linked to this idea of medievalism that came out of the 19th and 20th centuries and the social and cultural view, you know, values of that time. So heroism, the heroes, you know, the heroes of uh, that literature, you know, I'm thinking of, of Tolkien here, it was, it was associated with masculinity and whiteness. Knights of the Round Table. Knights of the Round Table, too. I mean, to look at Tolkien, on one hand, he did speak out against the Nazi race doctrine. And uh, they say his work is multicultural, but his stories are steeped in this like Eurocentric bias. I also hate how in all the Lord of the Rings films, they've made all the orcs cockneys. As a cockney, I was born with the, uh, the bows and the bells of London town. I find it racist against my people. But I think that was intentional because you look at the orcs, they're all like swarthy and like sallow skinned. And it, what if they gave him like an, an Arabic accent or like a, in, or an African accent? Don't you think it would have been even like way more racist? I think they're like, all right, we're going to try to like, you know, tone down the racism here. Let's let's give him a Cockney accent. OK, so, you know, they sound white. All orcs are always Cockneys now. We need to like stop this racism against Cockneys. What have we ever done? There's only like 20 of us. Leave us alone. But even in like Middle Earth, you look at like uh, the other races that are part of the forces of good. How many black people were there? Uh, oh my God, I've never read a lot. How many of the Asians the <laughs> were part of like the Fellowship of the Ring? No, it, it was None. all white people. Sure, there were dwarves. Sure, there were elves, but they were all fair skinned. You know, 
while the forces of evil, dark skin, except for Saruman. He was like a white wizard. But yeah, they're like, they're, look at that. that. That's what the orcs look like. My dude. Kind of greenish there. But like the Urukai were like dark skinned. And then you look at like Robert E. Howard, who wrote Conan. Conan is a white hero, strong, self-sufficient, honest to an extent, um, abiding by his own code of honor. But his uh, dual identity of being a savage, because he was a savage, he was a barbarian, but he was a white savage, you know, made, you know, made more sense to people, made it more appealing to a lot of people, made it more like a, a figure to admire rather than to, 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 be, to be frightened of. D, ask me what is best in life. Oh, I know this, the Conan quote. Ask what me. is best in life? Uh, to crush your enemies, to hear them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of their women. I was trying to do it in a Schwarzenegger in my head, it was. Kate Rambo says this every morning in the mirror. Yeah, I do. Why? It's a great fucking quote. It's the best part of the film. So when fantasy kind of blew up in the 60s and 70s, we had all those, uh, you know, the, the, the Conan movies and Dungeons Dragons came out in the late 70s. What was produced was, uh, you know, an emulated Tolkien. And also like, you know, Howard, look at Frank, uh, you know, Frazetta. Like his paintings oh, were yeah. all straight out of like a Conan uh, comic book. And I like the early artwork. sword and sorcery stories. So this 19th century racism that founded this genre you know, is 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 still being perpetuated today. I mean, it's still like you look at uh, you know, look at the women, the female characters in Dungeons and Dragons. I know they're changing it. I know they're trying to revise it, but you know, for the past what five decades of people playing it, you're perpetuating racist and sexist stereotypes. So anyway, so it's racist. I'm leading into you know Varg's game, which is inherently racist, a little more explicitly racist than these others. But I'm just saying it's not an original concept. It's not like he's the first one who ever made an RPG that's racist. So he, he, the, here, here it is. Here's his RPG, My Farag. Um, it's set in the antediluvian land of Thule, which is a repository for a bunch of just generic fantasy tropes. I mean, kind of like, uh, you know, you look at any Dungeons & Dragons type role-playing game there's going to be a lot of like warriors and all the tropes that make up uh, any of these kind of medieval fantasy type things but also adding in you know a dash of his north-centric historical revisionism and uh you know neo-pagan white supremacist views um it's but it's not you know it's not that different than dungeons and dragons or conan and so what's interesting about the land of thule is in germany Occultists believed in a historical place called Thule as the ancient origin of the Aryan race. It's a term which they believed had been used by the Proto-Indo-European people. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it's any coincidence that he's using this term Thule. And there is a Thule society, which we haven't actually done in a show. We should do this. Um, Originally called the Study Group for Germanic Antiquity. I'm not going to even try to pronounce that in German. Um... And it was a German occultist and Volkish group founded in Munich shortly after World War I, named after this mythical northern country in Greek legend. So Thule is as yeah. is is the northernmost yeah. tip of, uh, of Europe, which is Scandinavia. Um, a primary focus of the Thule society was a claim concerning the origins of the Aryan race. 
1917, people who wanted to join the Germanic order of the Thule Society had to give a special blood declaration of faith to prove their lineage. I don't think I would have gotten in. Somebody tells me you wouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm, I might have been all right. Yeah, you might have been able to make it. Yeah. Been, you might have been one of the, uh, one of, you probably could have been I, one of like the charter members. I am of Viking blood, so. So now in Varg's land of Thule, you're trying to survive a barbaric Iron Age land, um, you know, governed by a philosophy of man who happens to be a big fan of Hitler and Nietzsche and social Darwinism in general. Um, but yeah, you know, he's, he knows his, he knows his history. He's done a lot of research and he he's does. done a lot of writings into it. Um, but I think a lot of it is sort of like tainted by his toxic worldview in general, you know? So I think it's kind of geared towards to, to support his belief system. I mean, you go on quests and festivals and things like that. You get married, um, you can have kids and then you could have your character's child replace your character. So we can, this game could theoretically go on forever. Okay. Yeah. Um, but people, people who have played the game and the reviews I read said that the game design inexperience, and maybe this has changed with the subsequent editions because I think the original game came out in like 2015 or 2016. But the game was just designed really poorly. It had a shaky grasp of the English language. The tables are very poorly organized. And there wasn't even any kind of like index or guide to tell you how to really play the game. So it was just really confusing. And so one review I read said that uh, the battle, there's an RPG called Battletech. And so that core book is a three-page table of context plus a full index at the end for all the terms. Varg's My Farrag book is just one, a one-page table of contents, no index for any of the terms. So you're kind of on your own trying to figure that out. Right. And considering how complicated the game is, people were just kind of lost. Like it was, you know, it didn't, it, some guidance would have been, uh, would have been um, very helpful. Not to mention, the entire game is written on papyrus font. So I don't, I don't know if you've, if you've seen that, but it's almost borderline unreadable. I, oh, so it's like done like a rune type. Yeah, but it's just like this papyrus, the entire thing is in papyrus, not just like the, you know, the, the headers. He, you know and, what this sounds like to me? This sounds like a total passion project where he, he's been probably making this game for years upon years, and then he was like, Right, I'm ready to produce it. And then he released he probably it. Probably started then, in prison. Yeah. And then he released it and everyone was like, Yeah, Varg, can you go back and like uh tell us what we're meant to do? And he was like, Shit, I will. Well that's, that's you know, that's like the one me. thing about Burzum. It's like it's all in Norwegian. I have no idea what racist, spiteful, and hateful things he's spewing. I have no idea. I I just like the sound of it. I think it's good. And I think he's trying to do something similar here. He's yeah. going to like thinly veil his racist beliefs with these characters, but he's still able to, uh, you know, espouse his white supremacy through an RPG. So listen to this. There's a wide variety of races that a player can choose from, as long as that race is Scandinavian. So there's non-playable characters that are, that are evil that you have to kill. You can't be them. But you, the lighter the hair and the fairer the skin, the more blessed by the gods your character is. And higher born is, is, is superior. So nobles are naturally superior to all the peasantry in this My Farag universe. And you can uh, use your dice to roll your character's race, appearance, and all that. And there's a chart 
um, you know, for a, you know every possible difficulty class. That's kind of how you do it. Do it with Dungeons and Dragons, like you roll for all your hit points and all that stuff. Um, and the backgrounds and traits. This is kind of weird. They would be arbitrary in a game like Dungeons and Dragons, such as gender and birthplace and things like that, actually matter in Varg's game. So he actually pays attention to social class, religion, and birthplace. And well, so, that all did matter back then, though. And yeah, but in Dungeons in and Dragons, though, it's kind of arbitrary. You know, it's like your cleric, sure, he believes in the gods or something, but you're not choosing, like, oh, you know, he's a Jehovah's Witness. Or, you know, or a Christian scientist or something. You're not choosing that. Whereas here, you can do that. And you can choose either a religious agricultural background for your character, or a hunter-gatherer, or a magical background. Um, now, people of Middle Eastern, my people, and African descent are also represented. But they're filthy, vulgar, poor, poorly educated, animalistic cooper men. Copper men is what they're called. You can't so play you're a copper man. Um, no, I, I think I'm, a, well, yes, I'm a variety of copper man. You can't play these characters. These are the characters that you kill. Um, okay. There are two varieties of copper men. There's the, I can't even say this, but Skralinger, which is Skralinger. means, Skralinger, which means weaklings, and the Merklinger, which are the darklings. So you see where I'm going mm -hmm. with this? Yeah, this is all sounded very D&D &D as well. Well, the weaklings represent uh, Semitic people, and they receive a bonus for their trickery. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if they're depicted with huge noses, but I'm assuming they, they, probably, they probably have hooked noses. And the darklings, well, they get a bonus for spear throwing. Oh, Vog. <laughs> this is, like, so basic. <laughs> the copper men's lack of, quote, sunshine vitamins... Make them more vulnerable to poison and disease. So uh, there you go. And they're a little easier to kill than the white people. And so what's kind of funny, and people say this about Dungeons and Dragons too, but you can definitely see in Reddit where they're arguing about this game. A lot of my information I got is from a Metal Sucks article, which is a great review. Uh, I think the guy's name like, what's the guy's name? Jeff Treppel wrote this amazing story or amazing critical review of the game. Unfortunately, it was an old review, so his screenshots were all taken down. Um, but I also looked at Reddit where people were kind of arguing about it. And one of the most common arguments, a lot of people say this about Dungeons & Dragons, it's fantasy. How can it be racist? It's just fantasy. It doesn't even exist. It's not real. Well, it's, it's based, based on, on reality. Real. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Varg's not saying that black people are inferior, but the copper man are not favored by gods, and they're savages. And he's not going and saying, you know, in the game, Jews are thieves, but why do the Skrillinger have a bonus in trickery? <laughs> I don't know, isn't that weird? Why are they like, uh, you know, dark skin from, from the Middle East? They're hooked noses. You know, that, that's the thing. I don't think he's going to literally come out and say, Skrillinger are Semitic people in our world. You know, these are the people that exist in our world and they're evil. He's not going to say that. But I think if you read through the lines, that's what you infer. Which you can. And also it sounds like the same for Dungeons and Dragons as well. Well, I don't know if they, I don't think they're that explicit about it. But no, I mean. But they are, clearly. You know, um, it said the setting of the game borrows less from like medieval fantasy, like a Tolkien-like setting. And it's kind of more like the Iron Age Europe. 
And so societies are gathered into tribes. There's a conflict between the rising agricultural class and the traditional hunter and gatherers. You know, life's brutal and short. And the biggest threat are these foreign tribes that are coming in, these aliens are invading your homeland. Yeah, that happened. That happened, mate, is why we're, how we're all here today. But that's the thing. It's kind of impossible to, uh, I mean, even if Varg didn't write this game, I think you'd think it would be racist. But knowing who Varg is and his you know, worldview and his belief system, it's kind of impossible to look at this game, you know, objectively. It's kind of hard yeah. to be impartial when you read it. I mean, some of the tribes, this RB tri- RP tribes, uh, are called Yaakov and Jibril, which sounds, I mean, very Semitic in a sense. You know, I mean, you listen to this, it's like Jacob and uh, Israel. Yeah. You know, and the three evil cults in the game are barely disguised versions of the three Abrahamic religions. You know, and there's even an organization you can join that allows you to remove foreign invaders by any means necessary. Oh, why don't we just put them in a ghetto? <laughs> well, ethnic cleansing. Yes. Now, this is kind of now this is a bit more modern here with Varg's belief system. He considers women to be human. So, yeah, he does. You know, that's a bit bit more equality there. Um, he allows them to be as good at hunting rabbits as men, uh, though they're not as strong, so they can't really kill the bigger game. Um, women can even fight in battles. They can even go to war. And in fact, there's an entire race where the men see women as equals and allow them to fight alongside them in battle. But um, the race has fewer females because women are weaker and die sooner than men. Uh, this is kind of funny. Redheads have a greater resistance against electricity and poison, but are less resistant to heat. Where's he come up with that from? There's definitely <laughs> an old pagan no god with red hair where he's taken that. I, well, I mean, they're not, they're not that good in the sun. That's true, um, but it's very true. It's, uh, in the game, they said vaccinations are responsible for modern people having bad teeth. Do you I think he's an anti-vaxxer? I think he's been to England. I think he's an anti-everything. What a world. For sure. He's been to England, and he's seen the tea fear, and he's put it down to the vaccination. So while, you know, I would say this game has been, you know, pilloried on, on Reddit, you know, a lot of negative reviews there, it's still somewhat of a success. You know, and I mean, he's got, I don't know, what, six different editions? More than that, you know? wasn't it? Wasn't it like 12? Well, I think they're companion, companion books, but I think six different editions of my Farag. Okay. And uh, I mean, if you think about it, think, there's like, I don't know, sundry RPGs that exist. Dungeons and Dragons dominates the entire market. Um, but it's, you know, this my Farag has attracted its own fans. I mean, I'm, I'm sure his being a notorious uh, musical artist is part of it. Um, but you can go do a search on YouTube and you can find all these people reviewing it, um, whether or not they're practicing some cognitive dissonance or unaware of the racism, or maybe they embrace it. Who knows? You know, but I mean, he's he's must have made some money off of it. Probably not a ton, but I bet you he's made some. OK, he recently published his fourth edition. So there's four editions, you know, and uh, it is kind of funny because there's in the recent editions, he, he's added some like. Positive and negative modifiers. Um, he stated okay. that prostitution didn't exist in Europe outside of Roman Greece until Christianity came along. <laughs> Added that uh, you know Scandinavian honorable Scandinavian women would never prostitute themselves. He also, I think, made a feeble attempt at toning down the racism of the first editions, 
with an introduction of a race called Lesser Men. So he got rid of the Copper Men, and now and they're now just they're called known. Lesser Men. And it's it's a mixed. It's a mixed race of foreign immigrants and natives. They come in all skin colors. You know, um, their intelligence, charisma, and wisdom is not as high as the noble-born European men. You know, the higher men. Um, but you know, at least they're. It's not as racist. You know, as the uh, the hook-nosed. What were they called? Scraler, Screllagers, Screllingers, Screllingers. You know. Um, but, you know, it, you know, it is funny, though. You know, regardless, mixed race is still inferior to the pure, the pure races. But, you know, um, I, I think he's, he's making an attempt here at, at calling them lesser men instead of copper men. Um, the game, you know, the game is, uh, even has its own soundtrack produced by Vikernes, and it's the last album that Burzum did. Oh, right. I've heard about that album. Yeah. Apparently, it's unlistenable. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I haven't released many albums. Wouldn't be surprised. Well, so I can't comment. You know, I I bought his last album that he did while he was in prison. So it was like the second one he did. They took his guitar away, so it was just only synth. And I bought the record, and it was like a gold record. And there are only like I think 400 printed or 500 printed. I remember I bought it at like Amoeba, like the day it came out, because I was a big fan of Burzum. Um, I was practicing cognitive dissonance. Anyway, I bought that record and I've just had it and it's a terrible record. I mean, it's like, it's like video game music. And so I remember I was thinking, I'm going to try selling this. And I went on Discogs to look how much it was selling for. $350 for a good condition. And mine was in perfect condition. So I sold it. I ended up selling it on eBay for, I think I got 300 bucks for it. Shipped it to a guy in Germany. Hey, that makes sense. <laughs> Not surprised. Well, Bob so will be happy about that. A lot of these RPGs, including Dungeons and Dragons, it's open for interpretation. How you know the racist views that they might espouse? Like, are they being intentionally racist? Is it inher- Is fantasy, you know, the genre inherently racist? You know, that's yes, open for yes. interpretation. And you know, I don't know. I mean, with my Farag, I think. Uh, I think it's more or less a product of the creator's belief system, his own worldview. I mean, you, you look at it and, you know, I, I, this, this reviewer that I read on, a, on a Metal Sucks, he goes, it's a memoir slash manifesto rendered in the form of an RPG. It's a book that describes a game, but really, it's a book, a stupid, hateful book. He's I gotta talking s- about all his other books because he's released <laughs> about 12. <laughs> I got to say, I, I, I can't disagree with that opinion, you know, after like reading about the game. But you know what, though? All in all, and I guess this might be to, to Varg's credit, the game isn't an unplayable mess. According to all the reviews I read about it, it's not an unplayable mess, and it's not the worst R- RPG out there. There's a, there's a trinity of terrible RPGs, and I'm going to do a quick overview of these. Um... One is called Hybrid. One's called Racial Holy War. <laughs> I don't think I can get any more explicit than that. And the yeah. worst one, the worst of all, is Fatal. Okay. So Hybrid, I can find barely any information on this one. It claims to be a role-playing game, generally considered to be unmitigated nonsense. It's just a collection of like 500 numbered rules that are in a non-sequential like order. Doesn't make any sense. There's allusions to social and political issues, 
but there's not really any kind of game system there. I'm not sure if this is even a game that exists anymore. Has anyone played this game? Like they said the official hybrid... Well, the official hybrid RBG site and rules went offline about 10 years ago. Okay. And the latest version is from 2003. It's from the Internet Archive. So this is internet, early days of the internet. This is like rotten.com era. Yeah, it's an early RPG. And it says that the game was only 30% finished, so it just makes no sense. It's unplayable. But nobody's going to stop me. If you can find it, you go play it. You know, go see what happens. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, they say it's the ravings of a racist Marvel obsessed madman trying to find personal religion or truth through writing an RPG. Wait, is he talking about Varg? Is he talking about Harrison? <laughs> Harrison yeah. played Dungeons and Dragons. He loved it. Yeah, Harrison had Dungeons and Dragons group he went to. Uh, yeah, he did. And he loved comics. He loved Marvel comics. This is uh, Harrison. Maybe, I wonder if this Harrison is... played this game. I bet this was the secret he took to his grave. That he well, I don't think this great um, game. I don't think Harrison would approved of this next RPG, Racial hey. Holy War. This one is like seriously not even trying to, uh, um, you know, yeah, to trying to like veil its racism. It's not even trying to like you know make euphemisms to uh, to represent its racist beliefs. This one's this all out racist game. Probably one of the most racist games I think I've ever uh, read about. Um, do you have a picture of the uh, the, the cover here? Also ripped off from Hills Have Eyes. Um, but it's a, a role-playing game. Yeah, it's the brainchild of Reverend Kenneth Molyneux. There it is. It's a, it's a rip off of Hills Have Eyes. It's the, the cover of the Hills Have Eyes poster. It just says racial holy war. Uh, Reverend Kenneth Molyneux, who's a member of a white supremacist cult called the Church of the Creator, which is going to be a subject of a future sick and wrong. Um, but yeah, this guy actually created this uh this role-playing game it's a low quality game that can barely be described <laughs> as an as an rpg it's basically this is what they say the uh the tabletop version of the ethnic cleansing video game now this i had not heard of but apparently kate rambo has and i think you have a couple copies that you play on a nightly basis I had heard of this game. Yeah, this is like total like um, video game and folklore, <laughs> this game. I had never heard of this one, but Ethnic Cleansing is a video game developed by Resistance Records, no less. Uh, the record label that Screwdriver's on. Um, yeah, so here you go. There's There it is, Resistance Records, their their logo. So it's a, the, the, the Death Skull. I do um, miss these days of video games. Like now everything looks so swish. It's brilliant. And like, yeah, I get it. You can be like in a film, but I do miss these days of when it's just like clunky, terrible graphics. Well, the gameplay is exactly what it looks like here. What you'd expect. First person shooter um, in which the extremely threadbare plot concerns a Jewish takeover of the United States. Uh, the player takes the role of either a skinhead or a Klansman, a fully robed Klansman, that is, um, who, who, operating out of a crack house, runs through the ghetto, killing black people and Mexicans before descending into a subway to kill Jews. Yeah, every time they shoot a Mexican person, who obviously this guy's wearing a poncho and a sombrero, they go, ay, 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 siesta, when they die. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> and when they kill Jews, the Jews go, oy vey. Oy vey. 
So yeah, after killing the blacks and the Mexicans, they go into the subway to kill Jews. They eventually reach the Jewish control center where you have to kill Ariel Sharon, the former prime minister of Israel, in order to win the game. He died in 2014. Yeah. Um, look at the next pick. It's pretty funny. So here you can see uh, there, there's a Jew. He's got a Jewish star. Oh, he's got a star of David on him. That's easy to see. Uh, yeah, see, I think I it's, I think it's a Judah. A I would have gone for an yellow. orthodox Jew, personally, with well, a hat and some curls. Yeah, that, that's kind of how they're representing the role-playing game. But yeah, I think that would have been difficult with their graphics. Um, I mean, it's perfectly achievable nowadays with today's graphics. They should bring this game back. Why not? It's still there. In the game, black people are portrayed as gangbangers who make ape noises when they die. Oh, my God. The game claims that these noises are recording using real-life Negroes. That's what it says on their site. Mexicans are banditos who say, I'm going to take a siesta now ay, 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 when they die. And then they come, yeah, they come back again seconds later. And Jews have, uh, you know, the yellow uh, Jew, Judah star on them. And they say, oy vey, when they're killed. And by default, the game plays a cover version of the racist band Screwdriver song, When the Boat Comes. That is the most offensive thing about the game, <laughs> playing a screwdriver song at me. None of that offended me until you said it's playing screwdriver. That's it. I'm out. I'm not playing this game now. Not to mention the game's a... Uh, rather dismal with graphics and just gameplay and game mechanics in general. And so the, they, they said it's just, it's, it's difficult to move. It's, it's hard to see the, the targets. Um, yeah, graphics are terrible. And, you know, I actually spent a good 45 minutes, maybe an hour looking for the game. Before I realized I was using my work laptop, and I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like clearing my cash. But you can buy it. You can buy the game from Resistance Records. Um, for, I don't know, like $15. I'm sure there's a torrent out there. I, be, I, I'm sh- I bet one of our listeners probably have it. They probably have I bet torrent. the graphics have been updated. Maybe there's a new screwdriver. No, I've heard there. that there isn't. It's just that you can get this. There's one version of this game that's out there. Right. So this has just been the same. Because this, um, this is in a Louis Farouk. You remember when the, he goes to the most Nazi family? And they're playing this the game? Yes. Oh, wow. That's how surprised. I knew this game. Not surprised. Well, the Racial Holy War RPG is pretty much the tabletop equivalent of this game. And uh, the story there, it's a not very distant future. Um, In the not very distant future, the world's about to collapse because, surprise, surprise, the evil Jewish Illuminati have made whites a downtrodden minority because that's what's happening. Why is it always you guys? Because we control the world. It's the... uh, the Zionists, the Zogs. And so we control the world. Um, and of course, there's minorities pumping out babies. So whites have been completely replaced. And so everything appears to be lost for the victimized master race, except for a group of white warriors that come along that will cleanse the world of all the vermin and bring about a glorious white empire. Which It's all Charles Manson wanted. It's all Varg wants. It's pretty much what Varg's game is, but he just kind of uses, you know, fantasy fictitious, like fictional names, terms. like Tolkien names for his characters. Uh, the enemies all have a special ability, and they're named with a racial slur. Here we go. So uh, ninjas, obviously you know the N-word here, are described as smelly and stupid creatures that will reduce your accuracy thanks to their body odor. 
Um, even though if you think about it, white supremacists aren't uh, noted for their uh, impeccable hygiene. No. As far as I know. Um, latrinos, Latinos here, <laughs> are described as lazy and criminal vermin with the ability to strike first, which sounds kind of odd because they're lazy. So why are they striking first? Um, sand ninjas, saying then words here, are scumbags that have been declared that have declared the white race as one of their many enemies in their jihad or holy war, and they attempt to blow themselves up while killing others in the process. Um, the uh, G word here, I guess I could say it, gooks, um, are timid, annoying, slanty-eyed dirtbags who desperately wish that they were white. Uh, they gain extra attacks in their hand-to-hand combat from watching um, martial arts movies. The kikes are the worst and most evil parasites that the world has ever seen. <laughs> they can. This is like the text I send you every day. <laughs> they bribe the playable characters with Jew gold to skip yep. their turn thanks to the power of brain pollution. That's this what is the Jews exactly do. why I married you. But you, you, you. <laughs> yeah, you, I bribe you with my Jew gold. Um, <laughs> but you know what's kind of funny when reading through this? So you get black people who, you know, I guess can reduce accuracy thanks to their body odor. Um, Mexicans who strike first, you know, Arabic people who can blow themselves up. You got Asians who are who can uh, who excel Martial in uh, hand-to-hand combat, and, and Jewish people can trick you to skip their turn. What do the white warriors have? They sound kind of weak. I mean, they, they get their magic. A... D, what do the white warriors have? They have their freedoms. They have their rights to bear arms. And God damn it, they have their constitution. All those things mean more than any of those other magical Kind of, powers. but if they're being infringed upon by the minorities. You'd think they'd have some kind of special ability. I think this is sort of deficiency here in game planning. They have their, the power of the American flag inside of them. That's what they've got. They've got Lady Liberty, D. Who's stronger than Lady Liberty? I don't, no to one. me, it sounds like they're kind of weak compared to everyone. They don't have any special powers, you know? No, I they think, just have like, what, an M15 or Yeah, they have like or, a gun or whatever. Uh, the premise and mechanics of the game are repulsive. Um, there's abilities that you can gain, like clothes making, which you make swastika <laughs> shirts. Uh, there's the holy books of creativity, which you can pick up, which is the white man's Bible, and that heals the white warriors by soothing and inspiring them. Uh, weapons are either a handgun, shotgun, or assault rifle. Um, the game is obviously designed to offend and spread uh, white supremacist beliefs here. Uh, but it's kind of it seems like even the most engaged white supremacist gamer will probably be kind of bored playing it because the game is just sort of shitty. Yeah, like in the gameplay, especially just if they haven't updated the, the graphics, kids today won't want to play this. Well, also the non-playable white, like the non-playable characters, the non-whites are all superior to the white characters. So would you be offended by the game? Yeah. And plus, like if your character is like out there hand sewing, he's hand sewing, he's reading his little bookie work. And then these other guys are doing martial arts in front of you. Who's more masculine? Yeah. I I don't know. I I, I would consider this game to be a bit of a letdown. I'd go back to the ethnic cleansing game. Um, (laughs) Now, this next game here is widely considered to be the worst RPG that's ever been created. Fatal. Um, It's uh, a role-playing game like no other. 
It's uh, it was first published in 2002 by Fatal Games. The 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 name is an acronym. Originally, it was titled Fatal Advent Fantasy Adventure to Adult Lechery, and then okay. they changed it later on to what it is here in this picture. From another time, another land. That's the second edition. It has a distinction of being considered the worst RPG ever made by the gaming community. It's filled with misogyny and meaningless detail. And uh, it's known for its graphic, violent, and sexual content, as well as the complexity of the underlying game system. It's extremely complex, actually. Reading through it, I'm like, they put a lot of thought and effort into designing this game. So far, um, you haven't turned me off this game. I'm, I'm intrigued. I want to try it. Well, you'll, you won't want to try it when you hear that the, the, the game book is over like 900 pages. Oh, I'm not, no, I'm not doing yeah. that. Um, but yeah, it involves higher level mathematics and an unusual amount of randomization and character development. And it's acquired a very strongly negative reputation in the uh, RPG community and being universally panned. And uh, it's known as being very uh, controversial. There was a review in 2003 that was uh, on a, an internet on a site called RPGNet. Um, and uh, the, the authors here, Darren McLennan and Jason Sarton, described this game as the Necronomicon of role-playing games. Uh, it's fundamentally, broke, fundamentally broken in its attitude towards sexuality, and it's characterized by its bitter misogyny. So yeah, here's, so the, other, here's the other cover for it. Fatal, not just a game, a sad cry for help. And does this it say sounds free like therapy or something? It, it just sounds like the first ever incel designed this game. This is a game for designed by and made for incels for sure. That's a very astute observation. Um, it has over 150 occupations, 200 skills, 500 spells. Uh, fantasy gamers have never even seen this kind of degree of detail. And it, they had to actually include a CD-ROM for character generation because it was so complex. Um, and the original version of the game here came with a few supplemental PDFs, some simple DOS-based helper programs, and an MP3 recording of the author's thrash metal theme song to the game, also called Fatal. Amazing. So let me play a clip. I'm going to play a little clip of this. It is pretty amazing. <laughs> He's only just repeating the title. Fantasy Adventure to Adult Lettery. Can't you know? I gotta say it's it 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 is a bit catchy. Um, but yeah, the game was ridiculed for its obsession with deviant sexual misconduct and predilection to treat females as lust objects, incels. Um, and it's a large element of the game, misogyny, uh, to the point where players had to roll for such things as genital size, breast size, and anal circumference. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> and they had to roll for like sexual preferences and practices during character generation. Uh, many of the magical abilities and powers of the humanoid race 
um, include this obsession with genital size, breast size, and anal circumference. Um, sex and sexuality is a heavy focus of Fatal in weird ways. Uh, there's like a whole section of rules and mechanics for rape. And consensual sex is not even mentioned at any point in the game. That just doesn't happen. And so the rules of rape are incorporated into the section on combat. So it's just, yeah, sex is violence. Um, The extreme sexual content is uh, used for shock value. And there's magical items which induce forced masturbation or bestiality. Um, That that sounds fun. (laughs) Why not? Um, there's a list of mental illnesses that characters can roll, including multiple sexual paraphilias uh, related to rape and sexual violence. And uh, the main writer, Byron Hall, demanded that mechanics be built to accommodate this within the game. So in this review in RPGNet, McLennan, one of the authors, referred to Fatal as the date rape RPG. And uh, Hall, the, uh, the writer who, who designed the game, said, where's the dating? It's pretty much just all raping this game. Um, there's a broad variety of character skills and classes, uh, including ones considered irre- irrelevant by the majority of the role-playing games. There's the urination skill, which uh, defines the amount of urine a character can produce. Now, what speed? Uh, there's character classes such as de-louser, grocer, and class maker. There's also a, a number of spells that you can do, and you can gain new spells when you increase your uh, character level. Uh, the available spells are very eclectic, mostly obscene. Um, some of them uh, are, are uh, included, such as uh, Against Every Wild Animal, Aquatic Creature, and Robbers. There's a spell called Force Fart, you and there's a spell one. called Bestow Ulcer. That would be a cool one. Here's my favorite spell. Have her cadaver. Oh, I love it. Which makes a deceased woman appear alive but unconscious. And it's described by the rule book as being used for necrophilic sexual intercourse. Which Uh, we all know I have no problem with in real life anyways. (laughs) Apparently this received a bit of a negative reception here. Not surprised. Um, Does this kind of feel though that maybe the writer of this game is kind of like, to use a term, he's trolling. He's obviously being very inflammatory. It's kind of like nearly like Jim Goad in Answer Me, isn't it? Where he's deliberately doing things. Maybe he's doing it not in an incel way, but doing it to just deliberately get a huge reaction. I I think this guy is definitely doing it for shock value. I definitely think he released his game to be like, I'm going to be the nastiest RPG that's ever been created. And I think he's doing something like that. But I think... The guy is an incel. How could you have that much like blatant misogyny in a game? I kind of admire it in a way where he's like, (laughs) fuck it. If I'm going to be nasty, I'm going to be 100% as disgusting and nasty as I can be. And and people will remember this game forever. It almost reminds me of the mentors of RPGs. Yeah. You know, it's like this guy's like El Duce pretty much. Yeah. Um, The game manual is uh, was noted for its type of typographical errors awkward phrasing, grammatical structures, and poorly sketched artwork that consisted mainly of nude females and penises. 
I told him in this guy's like just a, a stoned troll guy. He's like, fuck it. I'm going to do, I'm going to piss off all the nerds. Well, he, this guy had to have been a nerd because the game, the manual, the setting and the system were in, were it like considered to be a 900 page long disaster. So I mean, the time and effort that I, I looked through the PDF. It's very complex, very detailed. Maybe. Look, I'm setting up a backstory for this guy. Maybe what happened was is that he was like a huge Dungeons and Dragons and RPG playing guy. He was a super huge fan of it. And maybe he was in a Dungeons and Dragons group. And maybe his Dungeons and Dragons character tried to get with another Dungeons and Dragons character. And they were like, no, dude, you can't do that in this game. And then they kicked him out of the group. And then he went, you know, like Ricardo Lopez, who hated Bjork because she started shagging Goldie and he decided he was going to destroy her life. This was his revenge. I'm not familiar with that story, but that's interesting. I'm, You know what I'm thinking happened here is he's playing Dungeons & Dragons with his buddies and he's just like, there's just not enough rape in this game. I'm going to make my own wanna, RPG with raping. I want to rape you right now in this game. They're like, you can't do that, dude. And he's like, why not? He's I'm gonna like, make my uh, own game. Dungeon Master question here. So I just killed her. Can I rape her corpse? And they're like, no, you can't. We don't do this in Dungeons and Dragons. And he's just like, fuck it. I'm gonna make my own game. I would have been like, well, morally, I don't see what's wrong with necrophilia. So why can't I do that in this game? And I bet you the guy was just like, why don't you fuck off and go make your own RPG? And that's, and that's what how he it did. Happened. Um, so anyway, they, you can go look online at the uh, flame wars and the arguments and the criticism levied against this, uh, this this game here. And so shortly after the original came out, he did a second edition and changed the name to From Another Time, Another Land. And they fixed a few of the typos and the errors, but I mean, it was pretty much the same game. It's, it's not like he took away the forced fart spell or the, uh, the necrophilia spell. Um and yeah, I mean it's it's the game's been nicknamed the date rape RPG where there are no where there's no actual dating. So yeah, there's a website, fatalgames.com. It's now a flash arcade game site. Um so you can kinda go do a search for it, but I don't think you can actually find the game. I'm gonna look for it though. It'd be a cool one known. Uh it yeah, maybe it sells on Etsy. Seems like an Etsy thing. You'd find it there. Maybe I'm. I'm. It's probably like you probably find it on eBay. It's probably worth a ton of money, like the original editions. But I bet so. Though. I don't know. So there you go, people. When someone invites you over to their home <laughs> to play Dungeons and Dragons, or your manager at work thinks it's a novel idea to have everybody get together and play Dungeons and Dragons, tell them you denounce racism in all of its forms. Take a stand here. Say you don't need to perpetuate the prejudice that resulted from white imperialism. You're not going to do that. You're not going to play Dungeons and Dragons. And if you were to play an RBG, you'd make a point to play one that embraces the fantasy genre's true racist and sexist origins, like Varg's game, My Farag, Fatal, or uh, Racial Holy War. You know? Not to mention if you... Uh, Tell people those are the only games that you play. You're probably not going to be invited to another team building event. Um, and bonus, you could possibly lose your job. So just no. keep that in mind. <laughs> 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 anyway, this episode 841 here, Sick and Wrong. Got some phone calls coming up next. 323-522-4032 is the number. But first, here's this. Hey, guys. It's me, Stephen. I'm a huge fan of your show. Thanks to your awesome coupon code. 
diddle. I can buy myself loads of good sex toys. Since both of my wives died, and my Logaric's disease got pretty bad. Let's just say things in the bedroom got pretty boring. But thanks to adamandeve.com and coupon code DIDDLE D-I-D-D-L-E I am now a new man. Thanks. So we've got a few phone calls to get to. 323-522-4032 is the number. Or people, you can email us, sickandwrongpodcast at gmail.com. Um, just don't send it on Facebook. And piss me off if you send it on Facebook. You really will. Stuart. Oh, it makes it. me so mad. But yeah, just email it. Email it. That's all, that's all I ask. Um, but we've been getting some good calls lately, so, uh, so feel free to call in. Um, I know we've been asking people for uh, injury stories. And drug stories. We like we always like drug stories. Um, this this first call though, this is great. I didn't even know uh, she was here, but apparently, Psychopathia Sexualis did a show in Austin, Texas, and it was covered by our uh, sick and wrong international news correspondent, Buffalo Bill. Oh wow! This is Buffalo Bill here, doing. International correspondent for the Sick and Wrong podcast. I am here with Mariana Trench, a.k.a. Psychosexualist, with their first international show. How do you feel about it? I'm absolutely buzzed. America's fucking crazy. It's incredibly warm. Uh, I feel like a swamp. I feel like a human swamp. Um, I've eaten way too much sugar, uh, and I could run around the entire state, I think, on, on the uh, pure amount of sugar I've had. I've had two pint glasses of Red Bull. Yeehaw, that's what I call a true fucking American. It's a lot of Red Bull there, Psychopathia. Um, that is one thing that Americans love. We love our sugar. We love our processed sugar. The thing that amazed me most, I definitely said this on the Patreon, was just like the size of your fucking food. Yeah, that, the portions of food. It's insane. Not just the portions, but even when you go in a supermarket and you're like, all right, I'll get like, I'll get a bottle of tomato ketchup. It's like, you can't just get dinky ones like we can. You're also like, no boy, you're going to get a supersized one. And you're in like, you're going to like a regular store. Like you haven't been to like a Gordon's or a Costco. Like Costco, it's like, sure, a regular store will have like a bottle of uh, like Prego you know, tomato, tomato sauce, but you go to like Costco, it's like a jug. It's like a fucking two gallon thing. How does it not go moldy or go off or get all gunked up before you get to the end of it? I think Americans want to put it in their bunker so they can prepare for the nuclear war. For the end. Yeah. That's so wise. Is this psychopathia's first time in the States? No, she was talking about on the Discord. I don't think it's her first time in the States, but I think oh, okay. it's like her first time there going to like um, do her show and like being like not going with family or anything. She does kind of like a, it's like a drag show, right? Yeah. Like a variety kind of drag show. So that's pretty cool. They got a, a gig in Austin, Texas. I think it was for like, they do a whole week of it every year. But that's cool. She got invited to it. That's super sweet. Oh, okay. So there's a week of festivities, and her particular troupe got invited out from England. Just her as a single, a single performer. Oh, it was like a whole week of like drag performers went out. That is amazing. Um, next time, let us know. 
Allah, I've, I've never been to Austin. It's a good excuse yeah, to go I'd, out there. I'd like to go to Austin. Great vintage shop in there. Austin, we've been living it up. We've been eating Chick-fil-A. We've been eating Dairy Queen. The state. Will you come back for a second show next year? I'm hoping for a turn. I think I'll have to give my bowels quite a break after quite how much ice cream and grease I've eaten. Uh, but I, I hope to return if uh, the health insurance will continue to cover me. Did did hey. you have did you have intestinal distress when you got back to England after eating all that American food? No, I was happy to see British toilets though, to see refined, civilized toilets again. <laughs> but you weren't like your gut wasn't like having troubles because of the American food. Only on the last day. Oh, on the last. I wonder what you ate. It Weird. was the Taco palms Bell? Thai red curry. Oh, the Thai red curry. Well, that's because you pissed the green all curry. over their floor. It was the red curry. You pissed all over their floor. I think it was getting I did. revenge. I pissed all over the floor of Dee's we, we talk about We talk about in the second show. But yeah, we go to one of my favorite restaurants, the Elvis Thai place. And what does Kate do? Urinates all over the floor. Not you even in the bathroom. The Not even in the bathroom. It was very in embarrassing. In front of all the gooners. That grease should make everything just slide right out. As a first-hand experiencer of this, absolutely killed it. You, you must know that you have killed it. This is truly a first. Uh, my motto in life is be gay and do crime. I came to be gay, and I think I just killed the audience. God damn all right. This is Buffalo Bill and... Psychopathia, sexualis, signing off. Signing off in the Singer on Podcast. Buffalo Bill Fucking is a <laughs> he's, he's loaded. He's wasted. He, no, I think he's the soberest I've ever heard him. You he's as so? sober as a judge. I don't know. God, that voice. <laughs> Could you imagine having to hear that? He should, he should go into like ASMR or something. Drunk ASMR with Buffalo Bill. Reading children's stories. Something like that with that voice. God. Um, well, uh, congrats there. Mazel tov, Psychopathia. That's pretty cool that you got your own, uh, your own gig, your own show in Austin, Texas. I uh, hope you had fun. Um, maybe there's a, if there's a recording, post to the Discord. I want to check it out. She has. Oh, cool. All right, I'll have to get on there. Um, next call we have here is uh, Vibrato. Remember Vibrato? He called in. Yeah. Well, we had some questions about his, uh, so I think, a month ago or so, a few weeks ago, we played like his demo that he was sending out to, to, to pitch to get a show. And so people that, that don't recall who Vibrato is, he wears like a vibrating outfit, kind of, and he goes to kink he's, shows. He's the human vibrator. Human vibrator. He goes to like kink festivities and things like that, like... And that uh, goes up and vibrates on people. Anyway, he was pitching a show to like HBO and Netflix uh, to do that, to like, go to kink shows around the world and, and vibrate on people. Hi, Dean Kate. Uh, it's Vibrato once again. The, yeah, that one minute demo uh, that I made is to help pitch a travel kink TV show, uh, ideally for HBO or Netflix. That's uh, who I'd like to pick it up. Yeah, we go to major international fet event, fetish events and have conversations with promoters, models, guests, dominatrix uh, about their kink-related passion. Then we talk with tourists about fetish and kink, safe, sane, and consensual play, and I offer them a vibrating massage trip. Uh, the show will be amazing. Got to slip in the massage there. It's like, Just why not? Know. You got a vibrating outfit on. So what he's that for. Yeah, you know. 
magazine when we find a sexy and funny female co-host. Kate, uh, how would you like to travel the world? Also, have you uh, been to a lot of beaches and or watched the sunset from the top of Runyon Canyon? Sometimes there's this really amazing purplish glow. I think it's from the smog. Uh, by the way, <laughs> I just signed up for Patreon. Well, speaking so of Runyon, yeah, I was disappointed about Runyon because you, before I before I came over my, for the holiday, I was doing lots of exercise and I was like, I want to continue my exercise. And you were like, oh, yeah, it's only 20 minutes to Runyon. You could walk Runyon every day. I was like, that's great. I'll see celebrities. I'll walk up there. I'll smoke some weed. No, you're not quite. 20 minutes away from Runyon, are you, D? You liar. It's 20 minutes on a scooter, but you're too scared to get on a scooter. I'm not getting on a scooter. It's and no, it also isn't 20 minutes. Less than 20 you're minutes. You're fucking on, 50 minutes. Less um, than 20 minutes. Away. Less than 20 minutes on a scooter. And if you walk fast, it'd probably be like 20 to 30 minutes. But you could scoot there, I would say probably 15. You're a liar and you're a cad. And I'm not having it. I'm not getting on a scooter. I don't understand why you're scared to scoot. I've told you many times where I'm Free scared. Free your to mind and your ass will follow. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah, as I fall on it many times. And no, uh, she did not go to a beach because Kate is scared of sand. She has a pathological fear of sand. No, no. Again, you're getting it wrong. I'm not scared of sand. I fucking hate sand. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to be near it. It gets I, all over you. It gets in your shoes. You're finding it for days. It feels awful when it's on your feet. It feels physically disgusting to stand on sand. I'm not she, there for it. I think she fears sand. It's a pathological fear of sand. So Hatred. no, we didn't. We didn't really go to any beaches. Um, but there you go. I mean, uh, Kate, you could maybe tour the world with a guy in a vibrating outfit. That would be fun. I would be the the straight person. I would be the ones acting shocked when we're talking to the to the regular civilians. To the regular civilians? In society, yes. Well, about I'm, kinks and fetishes. You should uh, film like a sizzle reel, and uh, he can send this along. It, it sounds like it's a would be a successful endeavor. <laughs> Netflix might pick this up. Actually, yeah, Channel 4 they probably in could. the UK would totally pick this yeah, up. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. It kind of reminds me of, uh, what was that Euro show? It occasionally showed titties back in the day. Eurotrash. Eurotrash. That's what it reminds me Oh, my God. Me I love Euro. He would have 100% been on Eurotrash. Yeah, no, Eurotrash it sounds is great. like it. Yeah. One of the best telly shows of all time. I used to watch that when I was 13, and I used to watch it with the sound turned down really low because it was just such a naughty show. And I was like, oh, if my mom or dad hear me watching Eurotrash, they'll know I'm doing something naughty. Uh, drunk dad was probably wanking to it in the other room. We were all watching it. It was a comedy show. Yeah. It wasn't like him. Um, Wait, did you watch it with your parents? No, but I bet they were all they were watching it and laughing along. It was hilarious. I'm it was sure. Fucking brilliant. I just signed up for Patreon, so keep it sick, keep it wrong, I lick my balls. Oh well, thank you there, Vibrato, signing up thank for Patreon. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and good luck with the show. I'd watch it. it sounds it sounds kind of cool. I'm gu- I'm giving in the tip that he should get in touch with Channel Four over here. Would would eat this show. Channel Four, pitch it to them. Um, finally here, a guy named Jamie called in, uh, from Brighton. Jamie from Brighton. I thought you were going to say your manager then. Oh, not that guy. It's Jamie here calling from currently Brighton, South Coast Life, England. Um, proud member of the, what do you say, 2.6% of people who support you via Patreon. Jamie. Type bastards. Sort these fuckers out. 
There's no one as old as me that you remember back in the day when you had to just fork out money for fucking videos and DVDs and CDs and magazines. And you found the money then and you chucked it into something and now everyone just expects everything to be fucking free. Uh, the trouble is you sometimes need to not think of it as buying the thing. Obviously we can all just get it for free. Who cares? The point is chucking in a little bit of money, what, the amount for like a couple of cups of coffee or something to help show these motherfuckers that we love and support and appreciate all the labour that goes into it. Obviously they're doing it because of their own pathologies and deep libidinal desires. Obsessions and libidinal desires. Yeah, and a bit of narcissism thrown in there. But uh, um, I appreciate the uh, the support here, Jamie. God, this guy's our spokesperson. Yes. Nonetheless, it's a worthwhile fucking thing, and I for one appreciate it. Chuck your quids in, you bastards. Um, the reason I'm calling in is because I was listening to a show from a few weeks ago, and Dee made a mention of an upcoming colonoscopy. Uh, I haven't heard mention of it in subsequent shows, so I wonder if that's. I don't know if I did I talk about it on the main show, or was that a second show thing? That could have been something we were talking about on the second show, I think, because we were talking about how you were going to test your shit and you were just going to shit into your hand. <laughs> no, a month ago, I went to the doctor for a physical because I haven't had one in years. And uh, yeah, I'm getting up there in age, 47 years old. And so the guy was like, you know, it's about time that you do a colonoscopy. And I was under the impression that they just do a blood test now. Like for I've the prostate exam. too. Well, apparently they don't really do prostate exams as much anymore. You, what they do is they test for, I don't know, polyps via, it's either a shit test where you like, you know, do, give them a stool sample and you got to do that like once a year or you go in once for a colonoscopy and you're good for like 10 or 12 years. So you only have to do it like one time. Um, anyway, I've been... Uh, rather alarmed about having to do either one of them um although they did just send me the shit kit <laughs> like in the mail not doing it's that shit kit. I'm, not, I'm not gonna fucking scoop up my shit out of the toilet and uh give them a sample once a year i'm just gonna do the colonoscopy and i've scheduled it june 27th oh my god mark it in your calendars people yeah i'm very nervous about it and i'm sure i'll talk about it something that's currently still brewing uh, I really hope that's a story that we hear in depth. Uh, yes. Second show. Why do you want to know this? Uh, I'm hoping there's images end up on the Patreon. Images. Yes. With. Maybe uh, when I had mine, I had a colonoscopy. Oh. Um, Is this guy the same age as you? About... He sounds younger, doesn't he? He sounds like a spring chicken. He sounds Maybe young. he just says, over here, though, I do know like a lot of people who've had the colonoscopies and who've had the uh, the one that goes down your throat. Luckily, it's not the same tube. No, what's, the, what, disgusting. What, what's the one that goes but, down your throat? Yeah, because people use it to go and get your, your gut checked. But I know people who've had colonoscopies in like their 20s. Oh, my God, that seems really early. Like, did, did they do it just because they wanted one? Yeah, you go into the NHS to get your kink shame. That's like what Slitzy would be doing, stuff like that. You know, when I told uh, Kate about the colonoscopy, the first thing she said was not like, oh my God, that's terrible. You have to get one. First thing she says, like, can I watch? And I was like, what? She wants to like be in the room and watch. I think it'd be really funny. And Why then would I would you sit want to and watch your, watch your colon on the screen. It would look like the center, like the surface of Mars. 
would you want to see like the uh the camera going inside oh from like that type of view no because i don't want to watch my favorite pub burn down i would like to be on the other side looking at your face when you know as somebody who's had anal sex and has had penises inside of my asshole i would like to specifically look at your face the the first time something is inserted into your ass and then i would just be like like that very weird sadistic thing to say (laughs) i bet no seriously it's it's very sadistic i would be laughing for all womankind at that moment and just being like (laughs) it's like me a little smirk it's like me watching you have an abortion, just laughing hysterically. Like, sure, that feels great. Yeah, God, can I can I use the sump pump? This is gonna be fun. Last time, uh, I was you're so not high- going to my colonoscopy. I'll just put my foot <laughs> down on that. I'm uh, not allowed. I'm not allowed no, to go. I'm going by myself. Watch. I want to see the inside of your colon. I I might like it. Why? I might see some things because I just think it's very interesting. I'm interested in like medical stuff. Oh, I'm not going there God. for kinky reasons. I'd just uh, be like, I don't know about that. The jury's out on that. <laughs> Jury is out. Three or four years ago now, um, and the images that they insisted on showing me while they were doing it of like a live video cam of inside my own anus was among the grossest things I've seen in my entire life. I'm there trying to just kind of like do deep breaths you know, say my Hail Marys and hope this gets over as quick as possible. And they keep being like, look, look at this, look at this. It's like, bro, I don't want to see the inside of my own fucking anus, colon, duodenum, or any of those fucking things. You know what I mean? Um, as it was, it turned out I had to go and see loads of different people because they kept being blood in my shit, classic reason. The first thing they did was they stuck this thing that was kind of like a crystal ball up my ass, and they saw, oh, it looks like it could be a tear. And then they eventually went in with a colonoscopy, didn't find anything else worrying. And it turned out that I was diagnosed with an especially tight anus. So that I'd squeezed up <laughs> such a big shit, it had burst it open, and now wasn't mending quick enough, so I had to have some medicine. So I, was, I have a medically tight anus, as I keep telling my missus. Anyway, good luck with yours. Can't wait to hear the story. And uh, yeah, I'm sure that Kate can be shaving your taint for another reason uh, around the time of that. So nice one. Big love, dudes. Wait, do you got to shave your taint before the colonoscopy? I don't know. I've never had one. I love the fact he's been diagnosed with a tight anus because it makes me think of how steel has an extra wide piss hole. <laughs> so, like, these two have got, like, the opposite problems. Yeah, I wonder if steel also has a tight anus. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to, again, next time we've got steel on the Patreon, I'm going to ask I'm him. sure steel must have had a colonoscopy. He's in his 50s. Oh my God, we should have asked. Yeah, I bet he has. I wonder if he made You're Dougie. Also... I wonder if he made Dougie do it. You're also scared to get a vasectomy. We should have got Steve. Yeah, I don't want to do that either. I don't like medical procedures. I like to avoid. I hadn't been to a doctor in like God, four or five years up until this last time. Until I went to go and see my Ian Brady doctor, I hadn't been to see a doctor um, in seven years. Yeah, I mean, I just tend to avoid it. I'm generally a healthy guy, but there is preventative maintenance. I think that you just have to do. And a mm. colonoscopy is, I guess, one of those. I'm dreading it. But whatever. You'll be fine. I- I'm sure I will be, but I'm like this guy. I don't want to fucking see the inside of my asshole. I don't want to see I, the, I my fucking amazing. colon. 
I think it's amazing that you get to see that medical science now prevails us to be able to see the inside of our own bodies. What, 500 years ago? That would have mean you were being disemboweled in front of a crowd. I would rather go to a Renaissance fair because they're about one of the same. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, thank you, Jamie. Yeah, I'm sure I will talk about my colonoscopy. How would I avoid that topic? Um, I'm sure I will be talking in great length um, either on the main show or the second show or both. Who's, who knows? Um, but good to hear from you. And thanks for supporting us on Patreon. People, call the Signal Hotline 323-522-4032. Um, if you haven't already, uh, you, you got to go check out the second show. We do two shows. I don't know if that's a newsflash for people out there, but uh, we, do two new, we do two shows, not nude shows. I almost said nude. I don't know why. Oh. We're not nude when we do the shows. Um, but they're new. We do one new show that's the second show that's not new anymore. Put it this way. We do two fucking shows. Um, this week on second show, we discussed a recent altercation that I had with a very sarcastic liquor store owner while buying a bottle of wine. I'm still pissed off about it. Your impression of him is one of the best impressions you've ever done. That guy really fucking pissed me off. I was trying to go out of my way to like support like the independent, like the mom and pop liquor stores, rather than going to like Rite Aid, like the corporate ones. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go back to fucking Rite Aid because it's easier. <laughs> Fuck that guy. I'm so pissed off about it. Uh, we also discussed the details surrounding Kate's uh, wanking injury. And uh, we do a story about a man from Kentucky who won half a million dollars after his work threw him a surprise birthday party. I fucking love that guy. Yeah, no, I, that, that guy is a hero. I guess you get his own holiday. Totally. Um, so people, definitely go check out uh, Sick and Wrong's second show. Only five bucks a month every Sunday comes out. Same schedule as the main show. Also, for a few bucks more, you get access to uh, the Sick and Wrong Overkill, which is our bonus mini-sode. Uh, this week, Kate covered Doom and Death, the story of Evan Ramsey. Um, spree shooter, who's inspired by the game Doom, uh, to shoot up his high school. What year was that? Was that like, uh, what, 97? Predated yeah. Columbine. It did, but they were playing Doom too. Eric Harris was such a huge fan of Doom that he made 32 of his own levels, which you can still play to this day. They're called the Harris levels. Oh, I didn't even know that. Have you played them? I've played them way back in the day because I used to, I played a lot of Doom. Did you ever play Doom? Uh, yeah, I played Doom. And I was just never into first-person shooters. Except unless they're uh, involved ethnic cleansing. Up until San Andreas came along and then I was like, yes, now I am an official third person shooter, babe. But I did really like Doom when I was younger. When I was like 15, 16, you can just get stoned, pop on Doom and like have yourself a good time. It was, I mean, it was cool. I never, uh, I don't think I ever had that game now. But I used to play it at my brother's house all the time. Anyway, that is on Sick and Wrong Overkill. And this week... I actually spent uh, quite a lot of time going through all the sick and wrong archives, mainly because I was pissed off at myself for uh, not creating a uh, an efficient system in uh, accessing archives. So when people used to get our archives, you'd have to download this Google Drive zip file, and it was a pain in the ass, and people were always bitching about it. So I went through and painstakingly put the first 10 years into playlists that are on uh, SoundCloud. So now, if you go to Patreon and you sign up and you just do a search for archives, you can get 10 playlists for the first 10 years of Sick and Wrong. 
and I upload them also to the site. So when you buy um, uh, one of the years of Sick and Wrong, you get access to the uh, private SoundCloud playlist. So uh, go check out the Sick and Wrong archives, the first 10 years. Patreon.com slash Sick and Wrong. People, we do appreciate you supporting the show. It makes a difference. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, it helps pay for my colonoscopy. <laughs> Maybe I'll put the pics up. Maybe I'll put the pics up on the Patreon. Um, the people are demanding that you actually live stream your colonoscopy. And I must say, for the patron, uh, I agree. Highest level of patron, you live streaming. If we hit our goal, maybe. Okay. Um, also, uh, I added some, I've been doing all sorts of sick and wrong work this week. I added a new design to the uh, the T Public store. It's the here. Bish shirt. Finally, I made the Bish yes, shirt. Bish. It's amazing. Um, I love it. Yeah, a lot of a lot of requests, a lot of demand here for the Bish shirts. I made a very seventies. It's uh B I S S H H H in like this cool, kind of seventies gradient. Yeah, you can go check it yes, out. Bish. Uh, also added a new stinkor design and uh <laughs> and the Satan is waiting t shirt that you've always wanted. So go to stickeronpodcast.com slash shop, click on the picture of the Pope, buy yourself some merch. And finally here's Sigaron Song of the Week. Not too difficult to find a heavy metal song that has Dungeons and Dragons themes. What's difficult is to pare it down to a song you want to play. There's like, you know, High on Fire, Man of War, Dio, Iron Maiden, all these great bands that do, uh, you know, medieval type uh, D&D fantasy music. Uh, But this one particular band that's not around anymore uh, thematically fit in the best, in my opinion. Three Inches of Blood. They're a Canadian heavy metal band uh, formed in 1999 in Victoria, British Columbia. Uh, they came out with a song called Destroy the Orcs, obviously a very racist song. Um, and it's from their 2002 debut record, Battle Cry Under a Winter Sun. Um, interesting thing about this band is that during the 2007 OzFest tour, the lead singer, Jamie Hooper, who had like this crazy high-pitched voice, I mean, crazy high. It was like, it reminds me of a new wave of British heavy metal. But his voice is way higher. Not as high as like Bruce Dickinson. But just this really high-pitched voice. He was unable to sing with the band during OzFest as he was experiencing throat problems. So he never actually uh, ended up performing on that tour. And he had to quit the band in 2008 because he couldn't sing anymore. So he probably blew it out. Yeah. Yeah. He probably blew out his voice. And so... uh, He was uh, um, one of the other members of the band took it over, took over the uh, vocal duties. And then uh, at 2007, Hard Rock Hell Festival in the UK. Have you ever been to that, Hard Rock Hell? No, I wonder if that's... No, because um, OzFest became download. So I'm not quite sure what Hard Rock Hell was. Never heard of it. it. just a one-off. But the drummer, the original drummer of the band, Alexei Rodriguez, got into a fight with a Saxon drummer, Nigel Glockler. Uh, Glockler... Well, Glockler had broken glasses and a black eye. <gasps> However, he's an old man. I know he's an old man too. However, security guards intervened and they put Rodriguez in the hospital with a broken elbow. I don't know how you break an elbow. Uh, um, security guys know how to break an elbow. Well, three inches of blood were quite embarrassed. They fired Rodriguez and apologized for his behavior, placed him with a new drummer. Um, so now, and then uh, their, uh, their guitarist original guitarist, uh, ended up uh, committing suicide. So he died. So by by the time the band came out with their fourth album, uh, there was just no original members on it. It's like Spinal Tap. What's going on here? Why would you just make a new band at that time, at that point? 
you would just make a new bond. Yeah, what would you would you call it? Four inches of blood? Just call it something six, else. Six, six inches of blood. Yeah, who cares? It's like it's not even the same band in, at that point. Anyway, they were a cool band. I got to see them live at least once. And we're going to end the show here with their song, Destroy the Yorks, um, from their uh, their first record, Battle Cry Under Winter Sun. People will be back next week with episode 842. Till then, take it sleazy. Just wanna have fun. Ooh, guys, just wanna have fun. But do we really? Let's find out.